morning. I love that video there. Just a reminder of how powerful the movement of God has been over the years, and we get to be a part of it here. Um, but welcome those that are here. Welcome to those that are joining us online. It's so good to be with you guys. Thank you for taking some time out of your day and your week to join us uh, as we gather together uh, to worship God and to hear from Him. Um, you heard a couple things this morning about Foster, West Virginia, and then your seat backs in front of you. There's a little card if you want to take that out and take a look at it. It's just been amazing to see what God has done over this last year. Uh, in this ministry that we started just a, just a year ago called Foster West Virginia. We're trying to answer the call that God has put on us as a church and the, the Big C Church to take care of the orphans and the widows, to make sure that we're coming alongside and caring for some of the most vulnerable um, in our state. And we feel like we are just getting started on what it is that God has called us uh, to be a part of and to fulfill his call for us. Um, and we can all play a part in some way, uh, whether that's being a part of a community group or, or praying for the, the, the foster parents and the kids that are in a foster system or partnering with us in some way of giving towards this ministry so that we can bless those around us. Uh, there's all kinds of ways to get plugged in after the service. Monica and some of our Foster West Virginia team will be out in the lobby to answer any questions that you might have and to maybe help you get plugged into what God is doing through this ministry. So, so make sure you take some time at the end of the service and go talk to them. Uh, let's pray as we dive into God's word. God, we do thank you. Thank you that you are an ever-present God that allows us to gather and to sing your praise and your worth uh, in our lives. And now, God, as we open up our hearts and our minds and our lives to your word, I pray that you would remove any distractions that, that may be um, keeping us away from hearing from you. Spirit, speak into our lives Help us to understand where it is that you're calling us to and to help us to take those steps. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have moved into this final part of this year-long series that we've called Relevant. where We've been looking at the, the story arc of God's grace, of God's plan of redemption from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And, and this plan of God's grace and redemption started in the Old Testament with this promise to one guy, Abraham. And then he made this promise to the nation that out of them, he would raise up a savior, a, a Messiah for the world. And in the gospels, we witnessed how God orchestrated all of the events of Jesus's life and his ministry and his death and his resurrection. But God's story doesn't end there. Uh, Andy finished last week by reminding us that the resurrection has a mission. And so we pick up this morning in the book of Acts. And if you want to go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 1, Acts is the, the story of the early church, uh, of how the mission of God continued after Jesus' resurrection through the establishment of the local church. And in the first chapter of Acts, we, we see the close of Jesus' earthly life. But it's only the beginning of what he wanted to do. And after his resurrection, he spends another 40 days with his disciples, teaching them what he wanted them to do. And he huddles them up one last time before he ascends into heaven, and he gives them this charge. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus tells them to wait. He's already given them his, his great commission, but he says, you're not ready for that mission yet. Now, these guys had the, the best theological training imaginable. They had spent three years following Jesus step by step and hearing all of his teaching. And not only that, they witnessed his, um, his resurrection. He spends another 40 days giving them the instruction that they need. So what else did they need? What, what was it that they were lacking? And Jesus says this in verse eight, he says, 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He tells them to wait because when the Spirit comes, he will give them power. He tells them, you're gonna need this power to be successful on my mission. That, that I have a job for you and when the Spirit comes, you will receive power so that you can be my witnesses so that you can accurately reflect and represent all that you've seen me do. You have been eyewitnesses of what I've taught. You have been eyewitnesses of my death, my crucifixion and my resurrection. And now your job is to take that message, to be my witness and to take that message into the city of Jerusalem and the surrounding areas and to the ends of the earth. And the Holy Spirit is what's gonna empower you and enable you to do that. Jesus was saying that this, this movement that's about to start is going to touch the entire world. And we are here this morning because of what these early believers did through the power of the Spirit. And then after Jesus gives them this command to wait, he returns to heaven. And this little group of a little more than 100 people gathered every day and they prayed every day. And then 10 days later, something amazing happened. This is when the day of Pentecost came. They were all together in one place and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. I think it's safe to say that the wait is over. <laughs> whatever they were expecting was gonna happen when the Holy Spirit came, this exceeded whatever their expectations were. And I want to point out just a few things from, from these couple verses. It says that on the day of Pentecost, that this occurred on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was one of three major feasts or festivals that the Jewish people celebrated every year. Uh, the word Pentecost literally means 50. It, it was 50 days after the celebration of Passover. And, and it was a celebration of an early harvest, but it was also a celebration of the day when, when God came and gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So the city is packed from people all over that have come to, to gather and to celebrate uh, Pentecost. And it's packed from people from all over the Mediterranean. Dozens of nationalities and cultures are there and the streets and the markets are jammed as they're trying to get prepared for this holiday. And it says that while they were praying and waiting on the spirit to arrive, suddenly there, there was a sound like a wind, like a violent wind, that, that there was this deafening sound but the air isn't stirred at all. And then what they saw, what appeared to be tongues of fire that came down and touched each of them. And throughout the, the Bible, throughout the Old Testament, fire is the symbol of God's power and God's presence and God's pleasure. As you read through the Old Testament, we, we remember that, that Moses, that God comes to Moses in the form of a burning bush, that he leads the, the Israelites through the wilderness by a pillar of fire at night. And in fact, when God gave them, even on this day of Pentecost, when God gave the law to Moses, we're told that, that he descended in the form of fire on Mount Sinai. And now on this day, that, that same fire that gave the gift of the law descends to give them the gift of the Spirit. And this is what the Spirit enabled them to do. It says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. 
And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? So these tongues of fire landed on each of these believers personally, and everyone started speaking, but they weren't speaking their language. They started speaking in the language, in the tongue of all of these other people groups. They started speaking in these languages that they had never studied. And they leave the house and they start their way down the crowded street. And by this time, the commotion, this violent wind noise that everyone had heard caused everyone to, to start walking towards that noise. And when they get there, they're amazed because all these different people from all around the Mediterranean hear these uneducated Galileans praising God and talking about this man named Jesus. And they hear it all in their own language and they're amazed. And already through the work of the Spirit, these disciples, they're already being witnesses to people beyond Jerusalem. They're already fulfilling what Jesus had predicted what happened. And then verses 12 and 13, it says, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. So some were amazed, some were cynical. They, they thought at nine in the morning of these people, what they were hearing was just gibberish to, to some of their ears. And, and it just, they thought that they were drunk. But either way, because of what the spirit had done in their lives, there was this change that had taken place in these disciples and it was noticeable. And it caused these people to look at the disciples and to start asking questions. And I think the same thing should be true in our lives, that that when the spirit comes into our lives and leads our lives, it should lead us, he should lead us to a place of change. That that we're called to live differently, to to act differently, to to make a difference with our lives. And people should notice that change. Maybe for you, it's in the way that you act at work and you refuse to give in to to some of the unethical ways or the dishonest ways that your competitors may use to close a deal. Or maybe it's in the way that you prioritize your family and how you raise your kids. Or maybe it's in the way that you guard your mind and you pay attention and you're careful about what you watch or what you listen to. Or maybe for you, it's in the way that you're able to tame your tongue. And so you don't take part in all of the gossip that goes on around. Or maybe it's in the way that you live open-handed and you're generous with what God has given you. But regardless of what that is, that the Spirit makes this change in our lives and it causes people to get curious and to ask questions. And when they do, it gives us the opportunity to tell them the difference that Jesus has made in our lives. That's the mission of God being lived out in our lives. And that's what was happening in the early church. And I think it's important for us to understand that these early believers, these disciples, that there was nothing special about them. They were simple fishermen from Galilee. And from the very beginning, God was using ordinary men and women to accomplish his mission. And that's still his plan today. He still uses ordinary men and women like you and me who have been empowered by the Spirit who have been changed by the Spirit to be witnesses of His in the world. And one of the most dramatic changes, one of the most dramatic Spirit-filled changes in all of Scripture is that of the Apostle Peter. 50 days ago, Peter was the one who was scared of a servant girl 
who asked him if he was a follower of Jesus. 50, 50 days ago, that, that was Peter. But now he is this transformed person. He goes from, from a place of fear to a place of incredible boldness. That, that God takes this timid fisherman and he turns him into a bold evangelist of his. So Peter hears their question when they ask, what, what does this mean? And he decides that this is the perfect time to give the first sermon ever in the history of the church. And he stands up on a step and he gets their attention. And he begins his, his message by, by taking this Jewish people back to the Old Testament, back to a place that, that they would understand. And he tells them that this thing that they are witnessing on that day was actually prophesied by Joel 800 years ago. And Joel says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Peter is saying, you shouldn't be surprised by this. God told us years ago through the, the prophet Joel that this would happen, that, that this message that he has given to the Jewish people would extend to the whole world, that God would pour out his spirit and offer salvation to all people. And then he says in verse 22, he says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep his hold on him. So Peter is talking, and he said, this is recent history. When he would say the name Jesus of Nazareth, um, many in the crowd would, would know exactly who he was talking about. Some of them would have listened to him. They, they would have heard about some of his miracles. May, they may even have friends or family who had been touched by Jesus and healed by Jesus, and most would have heard about his death. And Peter tells them that, that his death was all a part of God's redemptive plan, that, that he wasn't caught off guard by this. It wasn't a surprise by God, that, that he orchestrated the events around his death and his resurrection to accomplish his redemptive plan. And he tells them of the gospel of Jesus' death and the power that his resurrection had to defeat death. And he goes on in verse 32 to say, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. If you're new to Christianity, I think it's important for you to understand that Christianity from the very beginning was not about just embracing the teachings of Jesus. Christianity was about embracing an event in history. And Peter says to them, we are witnesses to his death. We were witnesses to his death and we are witnesses to his resurrection, not in the distant past, not years ago. 50 days ago, we witnessed all of this. And then he summarizes uh, in verses 36 and 37. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And when the people heard this, that they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Je Jesus makes it, it personal. And he says, whom you crucified. In other words, he was pointing out to some of them, some of you were there. Some of you were, were in that crowd and you were part of accusing him and you were a part of mocking him. You were a part of the crowd that was saying, crucify him. 
And he's saying that that same guy that you were mocking 50 days ago, he is Lord and he is Messiah. He was who he said he was. And he did what he said he would do, save the world from, from sin and death. And the crowd grew silent until somebody cried out, what shall we do? What, what, do, we need, what do I do with this information? Is it too late for us? Did, did we miss it? And they are asking the single most important question the person could ask. What, what does God want from me? What, what does God require of me? How, how do I connect with a holy God? And Jesus, or Peter answers, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. He says, if you want to receive this forgiveness, you need to repent. And repentance is not just a feeling of, of guilt or, or shame. Repentance literally means to change your mind and to change your direction. And it's both. It's changing your mind to understand who Jesus is, to understand that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and that he is the Lord. And the fact that he is the Lord over all creation, the Lord of your life, means that now I'm gonna change my direction. I'm gonna change the direction of my life and I'm gonna start following after his leading and I'm gonna start obeying his commandments. And he says, after you have done that, then make this public proclamation. Be baptized. It's this demonstration of faith and it's a demonstration of obedience that, that Jesus is now the Lord of my, li my life. And it's, it's this public sign that my old self is dead, that I am dead in Christ. And now I experience a new life in him and through him that I was buried with Christ and that I was raised to walk in a newness of life with his power in my life. In a few weeks, we're gonna have a baptism here where people will be making that very statement, this demonstration of, of faith and obedience and a changed life. If you've not taken part in that, we'd love to sit down with you, answer any questions you have and celebrate with you here in just a few weeks. And then there's this promise that we will receive the Holy Spirit in our lives. That God says when we turn over our life to him that he will give us his spirit, the very power and the very person of God will be in us, in every believer's life. It, it, and Peter finishes and he says that this offer of forgiveness, this gift of the Spirit, it's not just for them. It's not just for those that are present. It, it's also for those that are far off. Do you, do you know who that is? That's you and that's, that's me. Peter's saying to, to these Jewish people that, that this isn't just a Jerusalem thing, that, that this isn't just something for their generation, but it's those that are far off geographically. And it's for those that are far off chronologically that this message and this movement is something that is for all people in every age. And then notice their response in verse 40. It says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. And 3,000 people came forward and they declared Jesus as Savior and Lord and they were baptized. 
Can you imagine the city going through 3,000 baptisms? I mean, the, the, the disciples, the apostles would be in the Jordan River for days at a time. And when the church was launched on that Pentecost day, that opening day for the church, it was, it was big and it was dynamic and it was exciting to be a part of. And, and the movement that the Holy Spirit started on that day hasn't stopped. And since that day, there have always been people in each generation that understood what these first believers believed in Acts chapter two, that, that the spirit is living, that the church is moving, and I'm invited to play a part in it. That is that, that the spirit isn't done yet, that the spirit is still living, that he's still active and the church's mission remains the same, to go, to be out on the move, and that there is an extension that, that goes down to a personal level. There's a personal invitation to every believer to join in that. And since the very beginning, for the last 2,000 years and every generation that there have been missionaries and there have been preachers and there have been small group leaders and there have been Sunday school teachers and there have been coaches and doctors and factory workers and neighbors and family and friends that raised their hand and said, I want to be a part of what God's doing, that God's not done that the spirit is still living, that the church is still moving, and I wanna be a part of it. And throughout history, God has always used ordinary people, empowered by his spirit to spread the good news of forgiveness and grace that's found in Jesus. The, the gift of the Holy Spirit is why we're here, sitting here today. Uh, th that gift is what allowed for the good news to, to get out of Jerusalem to get out of that first century and into our generation, and now it's our turn. So what role does the Holy Spirit play in our lives if we wanna be a part of what God's doing and God's mission? If you're taking notes, the first is that the Spirit's role is to make me spiritually mature. That God promises that, that he places the, the Holy Spirit inside of every follower of Christ. He, he is what makes the Christian life work. Without him, then this, the Christian life is just nothing but striving and, and toil. That, that it, it, the Christian life just gets reduced to a, a list of, of do's and don'ts, commands to follow um, in our lives. And remember that, that when the church started, it was on Pentecost. And Pentecost was about the giving of the law when God gave it to Moses and it was written on these external stone tablets. I think some of you are still living like the law is this external thing, that, that you love God and you're trying to do it, but you don't really want to. And it's a struggle. It's a struggle to, to follow him. It's a struggle to obey him. And it's like the, this power struggle that, that, that Paul talks about between our flesh and the spirit. But when you're filled with the spirit, he begins to take the law and he begins to write it on your heart so, so that you, you don't have to obey it, you, you actually want to obey it, that your desires begin to change. That, that's actually one of the works of the Spirit in our lives, that he begins to, to change our desires so that we want to actually follow God's commands and his leadership in our lives. Jesus said it this way in John 16, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. That he, when we have the Spirit in our lives, that, that he begins to talk to us, that, that his Spirit speaks to our spirit and he begins to guide our steps and he gives us 
the encouragement and he gives us the, the direction that we need in our lives. You know, come alongside and say, hey, don't go that way. Go this way. Try it this way. And as we remain connected to his leading and as we allow him to change our heart and to change our desires, he'll start to produce fruit in our lives. He'll start to produce love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness self-control in our lives. That, that, that's the fruit. That's the evidence of the Spirit working in our lives. He says, if you stay with me, if you let me lead your life, then I'm gonna make you more loving. I'm gonna make you more kind towards your spouse and your kids. I, I'm gonna give you patience. And sure, that, that old self is still around and he may, he may pop his head up from time to time, that, that impatient one, the, the, the one that, that, that lacks self-control, but that's your old life. And I'm putting an end to that. And, and I'm gonna give you a new life. I'm gonna give you my life and my guidance and my leadership. And it's gonna change you. And it's gonna start spilling out of your life. And it's gonna to begin to impact those around you. And that's what happened. As you read through the rest of the book of Acts, that's what happened. The, these uh, fresh believers were changed by the Spirit and their love and their kindness and their generosity impacted the world around them. And that's what he wants to do in our lives as well. The, the second role that the Spirit plays uh, is to empower me to live on mission. The local church is plan A and there is no plan B. God has given each of us who are followers and believers of Jesus the same commission and the same assignment that he gave to those first believers. Go and be my witnesses. Go and point the world to the salvation that, that's found in, in Jesus alone. And God is still redeeming and God is still rescuing. God is still drawing people to himself. And we have a role to play in it. And the Spirit's role is to empower us and to equip us, to guide us, to, to prod us in what we need in the moment when we're around other people. God has called us to, to live our lives on mission for him, to, to feed the hungry in his name, to help the hurting in his name, to, to care for the widow and the orphan in his name, to, to be a part of, of reaching and rescuing our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers with the message of Jesus. And how that happens, how that plays in our lives is, we, when we hear the voice of the Spirit in those moment-by-moment -moment, um, times in our days, and then we take steps of obedience, we, we take steps of faith, we take steps of boldness, believing in faith that he will empower us and he will provide for us what to say and what to do in those moments. And as we do that, th then we are living our lives on mission through the guidance of the Spirit. But we have a role to play as well, my choice, is to either walk in the Spirit or to silence the Spirit. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives to be a part of his great commission. He wants to shape us to look like Christ and he wants us to be a part of that mission, but he leaves us a choice. We can either partner with the Spirit or we can silence his voice and go our own way through this life. And what we see at Pentecost is the, the power of the Holy Spirit resting on people and then people not resisting it. And I think that, that sometimes we fail 
to, to grasp what has been offered us. The, the spirit of God. God himself living in us. That we have access to his power, but so often we neglect to, to tap into it. And I think it's easy at times to, to just walk through this life in a natural way. It's easy to go through life and to, to silence the spirit and to just walk in our own strength, to do what we think is best, the things that have worked previously in our lives. But, but if we don't have his leadership in our lives, if we don't allow him to, to change us and to guide us and we silence that, it, it won't lead to the life that we want and it won't lead to the life that God planned and created us for. So what if we were to begin our days asking for the Holy Spirit's power for that day? For him to empower us to be a part of his mission on that day. A prayer that says, Father, I recognize that the same spirit that empowered Moses to confront Pharaoh, the same spirit that empowered Jesus to teach the Sermon on the Mount, the same spirit that did all of the work through those first believers, that same spirit is available to me. And so I am making myself available to his leading. So today, spirit, you lead and I'll follow. I, I wanna be used by God on this day to be a part of furthering his kingdom. What would happen in your family if you began to pray that way? to start the day open-handed, to say, Spirit, I need your leadership in my family. G give me more of your kindness, more of your love, more of your peace. What would happen in your schools? What would happen in our communities? If we were to start our days and open our hearts to the daily leading, the moment-by-moment -moment leading of the Spirit in our lives, well, I think Acts chapter two gives us a glimpse of what's possible when we let go of control of our lives and we allow him to lead us. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for the gift of your spirit. And may we, may we be that kind of, of spirit-led, spirit-empowered church that is a part of furthering your kingdom. God, give us the, the courage to embrace the mission that you have given us, to go and to point others to the salvation that's found in Jesus. God, empower us to take those steps. Spirit, empower the, the change in our lives that, that we want. We want you to have full control over our lives and empower us to share. To, to share the truth of your grace and the change and the impact that you've had in our lives with those that are around us. God, we know that you're still moving. Help us to see where you're at work and then give us the boldness to join you in that work day by day and moment by moment. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you back here next time. Have a good one, guys.